Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. It's February. Have you already blown your New Year's resolution? Did you even make one? Did you blow it like January 1st or 2nd, kind of like I did? Well, if you did, you are in luck because today we are going to get some wonderful tips on how to keep ourselves identifying what makes us feel healthy and doing more of that in 2019. So I am joined here by Elizabeth Anderson. She is a lifestyle coach at Kaiser Medical Center, and she's going to tell us more about how to define what we feel makes us feel healthy and how to make sure that we create more of the positive habits that are help, going to help us to stay that way rather than getting so upset at ourselves when we kind of slip into those negative patterns that, oh, I don't know about you, but I do all the time. So thank you for joining me today. It's great to be here, Kathy. So uh, we're going to talk about habits today and understanding habits because so many people start to beat themselves up when the New Year's resolution comes around. They start to think about what it is that they can do, and then they, they become overwhelmed. And I get overwhelmed all the time. So tell me, you know, when you say lifestyle coach, what exactly – is a lifestyle coach. Like, how did you become a lifestyle coach? Because, you know, not everybody has the criteria and qualifications to do that. And there's a lot of terms out there that are attached to something slash coach. But this is something that you've been doing for a long period of time. And you've got quite an educational background to do it. So what have you done that has led you to this career of lifestyle coach? Okay, well, I kind of came in the back door, so I started in wellness over 20 years ago. And I was one of those people that was going around and getting certified in just about everything because I was really fascinated about how the mind and body works together to create change. Because if we want to create change and change in our life and create a new me or you, we have to look at how the mind and body work together. Or if they don't. Or if they don't, which is often the case, right? So it was only later on in life that I went back and got my master's in marriage and family therapy. So I'm actually a licensed marriage and family therapist. But my role at Kaiser is that of a lifestyle coach and an educator. And some of the things that I do at Kaiser is I work with patients that want to change their lifestyle or modify their lifestyle. And we try to meet them where they are because it can be very scary to think about change when you've been doing something, I don't know, like me for a really long time. Opening door number two instead of door number one becomes kind of a challenge. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we do. Most of our coaches at Kaiser have a master's background, uh, different specialties and in, in, in er expertise areas. So this is really about people who may want to make a change. Now, is there a pre-contemplative phase? I mean, I often think that people would be ideal to come to you motivated, ready, use all the tips that you have, and then go forth and do fantastic. But sometimes they might get a new diagnosis of a medical condition. They might find out they have diabetes or high blood pressure, or high cholesterol, or some kind of anomaly that requires them to change their lifestyle in a way. What do you do for somebody who says, I'm, I'm just not motivated, I don't want to do it? Is there a way to reach that person? Or do they kind of have to have a little inkling of motivation by the time they see you? 
A lot of our patients come in and they do not have any motivation, but they know they have to change something. And it's not because they don't have any motivation because they don't want to change. Sometimes they just don't know how they want to change and what they want to change. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And I'm glad you brought up the stages of change because we look at that actually in our motivational interviewing that we do with our patients. So we look at pre-contemplation. We look at contemplation. We look at actually taking an action step. And then how do you get that action step into an action plan where you can start to maintain and see change for yourself. So the process is going to be different for for each one of us. We're all different beings. And I want to talk about expectations. One of the reasons why a lot of people stop and do not finish with what they would like to achieve in, let's say, 2018, they just stop and said, I just can't do it, is because they had unrealistic expectations of what that looked like. So, like, I can't be perfect? We are imperfect in our perfections. I can't <laughs> And perfect be in our imperfections, right. So we have that. So if I'm comparing myself, let's say, to somebody else, it's comparative thinking or shoulda, woulda, coulda thinking, then I'm going to get disappointed very quickly. But if I'm comparing myself to my best self and I can capture that image of something that I've done in the past that I have been successful at, that I feel good at, that's going to be my own motivation. So we really can't motivate other people. We can meet them where they are and help them find their motivation. So one of the first steps might be to say to them, when in the past have you been successful? If so, if somebody says, I want to start an exercise routine, you can say, when in the past have you had fun doing exercise or have you been successful in setting up a routine? And kind of really look back to that episode and find out how they felt when they did that, what what their ideas were, how good they felt about themselves, and maybe use that as a way to transfer that to where they want to be in the future. Absolutely. That's a wonderful way of saying it because basically it's meeting yourself where you are. So for instance, I used to be an avid runner. Okay, well, I just don't run like that anymore, but I can walk fast and I enjoy that. But for me to say I'm going to be able to do like an eight-minute mile or six-minute mile, that's not realistic. But can I go out and walk for an hour? Sure. Can I can I put on my uh, walking shoes and enjoy nature around me? I'm going to want to do that. So it's if let's say you've never exercised, but let's say you've enjoyed going to the beach or you've enjoyed walking in an air-conditioned mall, right, and, and window shopping, that is exercise. It's finding what works and sticking with it. If we – lots of times – We are not successful because we choose things that we never wanted to do in the first place. (laughs) I'm laughing, thinking of how many times I've done that. (laughs) Way too many times I've done that. Okay. I think think most of us us have. So when we look at a habit, what is a habit? So a habit can be a wonderful thing. It can be something that can guide us, such as remembering, you know, to wash your hands frequently, to drink plenty of water. Those are all habits that were learned at some point. And so we're on autopilot with those habits. But what about the habits that we want to change or modify? We need to understand where we're coming from with that habit. So I like to kind of give this example. So if I'm standing in front of the refrigerator at midnight and I want my chocolate, I need to understand why is it that I want my chocolate at midnight? Do I really want my chocolate because it just really tastes good and I'm going to bite off a little piece and enjoy it and have a nice glass of water and remember to brush my teeth? Or... Am I there kind of mindlessly in front of the refrigerator and before, you know, time has gone by being a whole bar of chocolate, right? It's connecting to the trigger and understanding what the trigger is. 
Well, I know why I'm standing in front of the refrigerator because I'm mindless, mindlessly wanting to eat the whole chocolate bar. So, 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 how do I change myself from saying, "Ooh, look, there's chocolate in the fridge. I'm going to eat it all," to "Ooh, look, there's chocolate in the fridge. I'm going to have a bite." What is it about? So, so the idea is not to say never eat chocolate because that's going to last half a day, if that. But is the idea really to say, "I'm here because I want to have a piece of chocolate." And I should take the time to savor it and enjoy it. Absolutely. So it's being aware of why we're doing what we're doing and when we're doing it. When we start to identify external cues, we can actually pause the moment. And one of the ways that we do that is we start practicing awareness. And I know that a lot of people have tried to meditate or they've tried mindfulness, and they're going, "I can't sit still for that long." But me. But you can be aware of your thoughts, and most people are very aware of certain thoughts. We tend to be aware of a lot of negative thoughts, though. So again, we're getting into the self-talk and the negative "I could have, would have, should have." Before we start to change, we need to understand the birth of that behavior. It came from somewhere. All right, we're going to find out where it's coming from in just a minute. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with lifestyle coach Elizabeth Anderson from Kaiser Medical Center, and we're going to start working on changing our habits, getting ourselves motivated to do that, and then helping to identify what it is we want to change, finding out why we want to change it, and starting an action plan so that it's never too late to turn over a new leaf, whether it be a particular day like January 1st or any time of the year that you decide you want to make a change in your life. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Wealth Jar and Locations. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Elizabeth Anderson from Kaiser Permanente. And we are talking today, she is a lifestyle coach. So we're talking today a little bit about changing our habits and trying to find ways that we can adopt healthier ones, particularly because there may be some challenges that you have in your life that you may want to work on and sometimes feel just totally overwhelmed and not really quite sure where to start. So right before the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, you go to the refrigerator at night and you're standing there in front of it and saying, do I want chocolate? What would be some of the other reasons that you might be standing in front of the refrigerator? Do you think sometimes people get so stressed and generally not knowing what's really going through their head that they wind up, you know, before they know it, the whole chocolate bar is gone. Are sometimes are people just not focusing on what they're doing and maybe that's why they wind up going to this old pattern? All, all of the above. So we need to understand what the emotion is and the thought that's going on. And lots of times we don't check in with those feelings that are not so good, that don't feel so good, right? It's hard to get into that space to be able to accept yourself. And when we can accept that I had a really bad day and I'm home here tonight and I'm worried about tomorrow and this is something that brings comfort and, and is going to you know give me my, my little surge of energy and I'm going to go back to sleep. But we don't realize that that behavior is actually going to get in the way of making a positive change, of getting in touch with whatever that distorted thinking is or thinking that we want to change. So let's say that I decide not to go to the refrigerator. I decide to get up and have a nice cool glass of water, and I get in touch with myself. What am I feeling? 
am I am I really craving chocolate or I'm craving how chocolate makes me feel? And so 95% of the time it's going to be I'm craving chocolate because of how it makes me feel. So it's disconnecting the the thought process and pausing it and looking at the behavior behind it. So an example I like to give is that if you can kind of, you know, imagine a cable box with all these wires coming out, right? And sometimes we just need to unplug one for the whole thing to kind of run smoothly, right? So we need to do that. We need to unplug and stop. And we don't allow ourselves to do that. We've not been taught to do that. We're running a very fast-paced society. We're all wired into our smartphones and our email and, and you know, our, our to-do lists. We don't take the time to be kind to ourselves. The other thing I want to talk about is judgment. We tend to judge ourselves a lot. So let's say I eat that chocolate bar and then I beat myself up over it. So now I've spoiled the experience of eating the chocolate bar. I'm feeling guilty. And. And I've just kind of like haven't really gotten a gain gain out of it. But if I've set myself up for success, I can still have that little bit of chocolate, that cool glass of water and get in touch with myself. What am I really feeling? Another thing we can do is we can start to jot down those thoughts on a piece of paper or we can journal. Uh, you can even get your phone out since we're on our phone all the time anyway and, and put it into some kind of app. There's all different kinds of apps out there that will track behavior for you. We can change our habits, though. It takes 66 days to create a new habit. 66 days? 66 what happened days. What happened in that 21 days I kept hearing about? <clears throat> it's it's 60, tripled? It's 66 days. And realistically, there was another uh, research that was done that says it might even take 242 days. Okay, I don't like that research. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the 66. I'll take that over uh, <laughs> 240 some. I thought it was 21. I'm already blown away times three. Okay. So it's it's interrupting the pattern. It's interrupting, uh, you know, the neurons in our brain that have been kind of wired a certain way. We know the brain is plastic. We know we can rewire and we can change. But it does take time and it takes patience. And we have what's going to be called the continuous cycle of change, right? We're going to get on that cycle and we're going to get off that cycle. We have to be patient with ourselves and give ourselves time. So, like, don't hate yourself when you ate the chocolate bar. Don't hate yourself, number one. Don't hate yourself. Just remember to brush your teeth. <laughs> and then the next day, it's not like, well, I already ate the chocolate bar, so, you know, blew the calorie count, so just forget it. You can still modify that by, I'm going to do some activity, I'm going to go to the gym today, or I'm going to go for my walk today, or do something that can help to balance that. Maybe for breakfast, I'm just going to have an egg or or change that. So nothing that you do in the past for dietary influences or even with activity really is something that you can't turn around and, and make some kind of an effort to change in the future. I, I really appreciate that, that you said that, because we look at harm reduction. So I want to do something less of the time. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to be able to do it all of the time, because if you tell people they can't have their chocolate. Oh, or they, I'm just going to go get some right now. I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to. Don't you take that from me. Uh, don't you take that chocolate from me. Yeah, I'm we're going to have a battle. In we're going to have a battle over the chocolate. Where did the okay. chocolate go? So we have to pause it. We have to kind of look at what can I do? And it's all about balance. And the other thing, too, is that tomorrow is a new day. So putting one foot forward in front of the other and, again, starting to really build up this feeling of success and this feeling of creating a new you and being able to practice a new you. So what would a new you look like? And we're, we're kind of going back and forth with the chocolate example. But maybe a new person might say, you know what? 
I'm going to only have a little bit of chocolate in that refrigerator because I'm going to set myself up for success. And I'm going to make sure that I'm, um, I'm hydrated, that I'm rested, so that when I do have that chocolate, it's an enjoyable moment. But it's, it's not the whole main core of what I'm doing. So now we become the driver of our thoughts. Too often our thoughts are driving us. I think the other part of it is taking the time. You know, I mean, if you decide you're going to eat lunch, for example, whatever it may be, and hopefully it's not just chocolate, uh, that'd be good, but not really. So if you think about you're going to eat lunch, do you find that, and I know, boy, medical personnel are so guilty, you train in an environment where you're given five, 10 minutes for lunch. So you're used to eating really fast. And I know it's kind of funny because my older brother is also a physician. So we'll go out for a family dinner when I go visit him on the mainland. And the two of us, we both went to med school. And we've both done residency. We're done within like seven and a half minutes flat. And everyone else is like, what happened to you two? Why are you done dinner already? And we're like, oh, well, 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 we just eat fast. But I think it was sort of this habit that we developed in training. And ironically, at different times of our lives and not together, we were in medical training. But we still have the same end result because lunch is something you have to get through so that you can do your paperwork, so that you can do something else or see patients or whatever it is. So I think a lot of times people just, they go on autopilot in a way and they don't enjoy the food they're eating or they don't enjoy the experience. And as a result, it's over before they know it. And they didn't really take the time to savor that delicious food for lunch that they were eating, whatever it could be. Absolutely. So it's about slowing everything down. So the other thing we look at is peer coaching. So let's say that you're with a family member who has the same behavior and you both want to change that behavior. You can remind each other of the behavior that wants to be changed. And we see a lot of success in peer coaching. So when I work with patients, I really want to make sure that the family is aware of the changes that they want to uh, implement. And sometimes the family will get on board. And the family gets on board. We're setting up for success. So one of the things we can do with ourselves, there are going to be times when we're going to eat our lunch in 10 minutes or 8 minutes. But the other times when we can be aware of what we're eating and just practice doing one thing at a time, whether it's eating, whether it's exercising. Not multitasking? Well, we multitask all the time. We're a society that's just been taught to multitask. But doing one thing at a time sometimes and breaking it up, we have that pleasure of serving, especially when you want to change a thought or behavior. It's really important to be able to go through that formula. So basically, if I was to kind of write out a little formula, it'd be, okay, I want to change the behavior. First of all, what is the behavior? Why am I doing the behavior? How often do I do it? When do I do it? What emotion triggers it? Or what situation triggers it? Or person triggers it? People can trigger us too, right? We need to understand that once we slow it down, now I can understand why I'm doing what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. And we are moving in such a fast-paced society that we really don't take the time. And that's why we have all these mindfulness classes that are popping up and awareness apps that are popping up because people are kind of relearning how just to be, right? I mean, it's it's something that one never really thought you'd have to learn to to just be with yourself. But it's 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 very important. Well, it's important. And sometimes you're the only person you can be with. 
because it's just you and you know you got you got to figure yourself out at times all right we're going to find out what we do next after we've identified the behavior how do you start to change it i'm dr kathleen kozak here with elizabeth anderson from kaiser permanente lifestyle coach and when we come back we're going to talk about once you have the behavior you've identified you've decided you want to change it what are the next steps and things you can do to help to achieve those goals we'll be right back stay with us Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Ulupono Initiative, and Impact Hub Honolulu Co-working. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. I'm here with Elizabeth Anderson. She's a lifestyle coach at Kaiser Permanente. And we are talking today about what if you've decided there's a behavior you want to change. You've identified when you do it. You've identified maybe why you do it. So how do you get to the point where you change it? So right before the break, we were talking about this path that people will take. So you identify what is the behavior that you think you want to change, whether it be eating slower or not eating chocolate at midnight or whatever it may be. And then what are the reasons or what are the triggers? So if you can identify the triggers that set you down that path, now what's the next step? How do you change it? So if it's somebody who triggers you and says, oh, every time I see so-and-so, they stress me out so much, I just want to go eat, you know, pancakes. How do you, you can't avoid that person. Let's just say it's not possible. So what are the steps that you can take to help you to identify how to create that change? Okay, so it's creating your own wellness within yourself. First of all, don't overwhelm yourself with a shopping list of like 10 zillion things that you want to change overnight. Pick one or two things that are constructive that you can change. So for instance, I want to... I want to be able to pay attention to what I'm doing and not let what other people say so much bother me. It's all about a perception. If I'm perceiving myself as being a healthy thinker and a healthy person, I'm going to be able to, be able to say, you know what, wait a minute. I'm just going to kind of put my little bubble around me, and I'm going to do me, and I'm going to do the best me, and I'm going to kind of just stop that that negative process from getting in the way of healthy goals. So first of all, identify one or two things that you want to do. And then there's a couple of other ways you can do. So, well, if you you could work with a lifestyle coach, you know, and they'll meet sign you. Sign me up. Sign you up. They'll meet you where you are and depending on what you want to work on. You could work with a peer coach. You could have an accountability partner. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. We have done a lot of research that when people have an accountability partner, whether it's a lifestyle coach, family member, or peer coach, they tend to do what they want to do when they say they're going to do it because they're responsible uh, for, you know, kind of reporting to someone else. So you can write out a plan for yourself. You can keep a daily log. You can start to identify the thought or the behavior and then write out what you want to do instead. And the days that you do the positive habit instead, congratulate yourself and note what was going on that, that enabled you to follow through. And then maximize that. And maximize it. And reward yourself, but not necessarily with the thing you're trying to avoid. So, you know, I've heard people say, if you enjoy something, if you're trying to avoid, for example, chocolate or certain types of foods, then don't reward yourself with that food because that's defeating the purpose. But if you find something else you like, like going out for a walk on the beach or taking a few minutes to walk around the park or even just taking a few moments to deep breathe or do something else, that your reward has to be something that brings you joy, but that joy should not be the very thing you're trying to avoid. That's right. 
It's, so it's about self-love and compassion and having empathy and compassion for yourself. It's being your own best healthy friend. So let's say that I really enjoy infused water. I love cool water with limes and oranges in it. I love to sit there and drink my water and look at the window and look at the sky and I have a sense of peace. Or maybe I like sitting and petting my cat. These are all rewarding things that we can do for ourselves that don't involve having to eat something or look at something or, or, you know, get on our smartphone, right? These are very simple things that we can start to slow down. In the course of our day, uh, if you're working in an office, you can go and wash your hands underneath the sink in nice lukewarm water. You can have a cool drink of water. You can go outside for a few minutes and get some fresh air. You can get up from your desk and stretch. You can encourage your uh colleagues to bring in healthy snacks so people are on the same page encourage each other to drink more water if you're a a mom at home or a dad at home and you have family members it's really taking time for yourself so wherever you are whether you're in the office or whether you're working from home or whether you're taking care of family you can start to create these self-care habits so again it's identifying one or two habits sticking with it and doing something that you really want to want to do. The other thing I want to bring up is that lots of times we pick behaviors that we think we should be doing that we've never done or we've never enjoyed, especially with exercise. If you've never been a runner or a swimmer and you're going to put that on your your list of what you want to do in 2019, you're probably not going to be successful and you're probably not going to do it and you're actually going to get resentful of even having to think about doing it. But let's say you're a walker or let's say you just like to dip your toes in the water at the beach and watch the sunset and then you walk back from there. You're going to do that because it's something that's going to bring you joy. It's going to kick off all those good feel endorphins. You're going to feel that you're being your own best friend. So if you have mastered this for yourself, how do you help someone else? who wants to also, I mean, sometimes doing showing by example is one of the best ways to teach someone else. So if they see that you're making a priority to take care of yourself, they may decide to take care of themselves as well. Can you develop this like accountability group, uh, your your list of best friends who you all make sure and kind of check in with everyone once a week and say, hey, you said you were going to, you know, see two sunsets this week. Did you have a chance to do that? Or, hey, did you do X, Y, or Z? Is there a way to sort of set this up in a more group environment? Absolutely. A lot of people are doing it on a Facebook page or they're doing it via a, a group text or old fashioned. They'll come together with a vision board of what they want to accomplish the first quarter of 2019. So these these are all things that you can do, but just do it. Find a way to do it and do it. Families can do it. Families can go out for a walk together and go and watch the sunset together. Now, if you're looking for your own me time and you just want to do your own thing, you can still have an accountability group. So maybe you're watching the sunset on the leeward side and somebody's watching the sunset on Waikiki side, right? But they, they get together and say, did you get to see that sunset last night? So again, accountability is a big piece of change. I find that you're more likely to do something if you say you're going to meet a friend or someone else, and you're more likely to disappoint yourself if it's just you. So there is a way that I think having that accountability partner or having that other person to sort of help make you feel responsible to report back that you've done what you said you're going to do is often very, very helpful. Although there are those people out there that are so self-disciplined, they don't need to have somebody else do that for them. There's also a lot of us who just need that extra little kick. Hey, did you do whatever you said you were going to? And you're like, oh, yeah, I did. And I've got to get on that. So it sounds like there are
there are a lot of different ways that we can address some of these issues that we may have. And it really, it's the stuff you mentioned you could use for anything, whether it be trying and learning a new sport or you know, enjoying your life after retirement or working on healthier lifestyle habits, food choices or exercise or activity, it really is applicable to anything. Absolutely. And in fact, a lot of my patients will, you know, say, you know what, I I knew that I had a meeting with you today. So I made sure that I kept my exercise log. Now, I didn't do as much as I said I was going to do, but I did something every day. And that's up to me to say, you know what, you're loving yourself, you're being kind to yourself. So you did something every day. Wow, that's great. So reflecting that back to somebody else and having accountability, because a lot of us are very social. We're social beings. We want to connect. And a lot of people feel very disconnected these days with not having that human contact, that human touch, that human accountability and connection. It's all good stuff. I'm going to have to have you come on again and again and make me accountable to all the things we talked about so I don't eat chocolate at midnight. Elizabeth Anderson, thank you for joining us today, Lifestyle Coach at Kaiser Permanente. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us on The Body Show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. We'll have to do it again. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on Facebook. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week. I will not eat chocolate in front of the fridge. See you then. Woo!